Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Pastor Victor Torres. Let me get you your, your handheld here. Is this good enough, Blue? All righty. Here you go, sir. All right. I'll Thank take you. Blue. There you go. Amen. Bless you, sir. How many love Jesus? Amen. 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 There's nothing like the love of Jesus. You know, sometimes we say that lightly, but it is so powerful when he is our, our love in life and our lives evolve around him. And it's, it's just a, a great joy and great honor to be here with you once again. I didn't think I was going to be back this soon. But uh, you know that uh, we love this church. Uh, we just thank God for you. You know, you're speaking about Argentina. Argentina was the first country that Carmen and I visited in our missions as we were traveling. We, st- we started, our ministry actually started uh, in the streets and traveling around the world. Today we've been close to 50 countries, but Argentina was the very first country we went to, and uh, Carmen and I didn't know anybody there. Uh, There was no connection, no contact, but we felt from God to just get on an airplane and fly down to Argentina, and there we were in Buenos Aires, and our first pulpit was the plaza in Buenos Aires. We went there, I just pulled out my Bible, started preaching, And the next thing we know that we remained there for about three months. We made friends. We met pastors. And and a lot of people came to Jesus. So, you know, uh, we're going to be praying for you because that's a great, great country there, Argentina. And they need Jesus. How many know the whole world needs Jesus, right? More than ever before. And uh, that's my passion, uh, the call that God has placed upon Carmen and I now uh, celebrating 40, almost 48 years there in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, married uh, 52 years, over half a century. And she's still the darling of my life. And we talk about it. Uh, she flew in last night. I said, good, because I miss my girlfriend. And we just thank God for the four children that he has given us and 11 grandchildren, two great-grandchildren. And I think that's about it. But uh, this morning with me, I have two gentlemen, two brothers in the Lord that uh, were saved under uh, our ministry. And uh, they are doing fabulous. They love God. One of them has been with me for 20 years, the other one 12 years. Larry, would you stand? This is Larry. Larry's been with, with us for 12 years and Jim for 20 years. Amen. See, they were hooked on other things, but now they're hooked on Jesus. And when you get hooked on Jesus, uh, you just want to live for him and serve him. So they are the, uh, the proof of our fruit. Uh, everywhere we go, we try to... Uh, Uh, demonstrate the fruit, the proof of the fruit that that God is bringing as a result of our labor because God honors that. 
Uh, he honors our labor in him. And this morning, I, I counted a great, great uh, privilege uh, <clears throat> to have this honor to speak to you in honor of your pastor. Uh, how many know that pastors are important, right? They're very, very important to the body of Christ. And that's why the word of God speaks about the pastoral role. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to mention before I go on that I have copies of my movie and also my books uh, that uh, we still have to uh, print Spirit Revolution. You're in that book, your testimony, uh, a great testimony of obedience and, and faithfulness. Uh, when God calls a man to serve him, God calls a woman uh, to serve him. I mean, that's, that's the greatest testimony that we can ever have. And so this morning, uh, I want to I wanna take you uh, to a scripture that uh, emphasizes and also uh, honors this, this call, uh, the call of a pastor, the call of a pastor. Carmen and I have been pastoring now for... Gosh, uh, well, we've been there 48 years, but we didn't start the church till about, I would say, about 36 years, 35 years ago, because we, we first started uh, taking people off the streets. We brought them into our own home. So I guess that that was part of it uh, there. God was starting uh, to lead us in that direction. Uh, we would just bring people off the street to our own home and uh, they, they would stay with us. Uh, we would disciple them. And out of there, the church was born, a local church, a local body, uh, a church that would become a great blessing to hundreds and thousands of people. And so this morning, I want to take you to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. How many here love the word of God? Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 1. We're going to read several verses here, but every verse is important. Notice what uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the church. Uh, beginning with verse 1, he says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ." Praise God. What a, what a tremendous word. 
And this morning, we, we thank God for his word. And I pray that his word will become alive in you and that his word will impact your life. Because that's what the word of God does. Uh, you, you know, the, the word of God is, is alive. Amen. It's, it's not just the letter, but it's alive. And here, the apostle Paul uh, brings to us a, a great testimony, a personal testimony that he shares to the body of Christ, to the church, about the role of being a leader, the role especially of being a pastor. And, and, and you know, it's an honor. It, you know, when you have this calling in your life uh, to be a pastor, it, it's one of the greatest callings that a man can ever have. Uh, there was a time when, Carmen and I didn't know exactly uh, in what direction God was calling us. Uh, we both went to Bible college together out in California. Uh, we knew that we both had a calling in our lives. But being young, uh, not only young in the Lord, but also young in marriage and young uh, in ministry, we didn't know exactly what direction uh, God wanted us to go. But we knew that God had a calling in our lives. We knew that, that God had tagged us uh, for something special. We didn't know exactly, precisely. And then one day, God revealed that. And he revealed that our calling was to be pastors. See, there had to be a moment, there had to be a time in, in pastors' Uh, Joaquin's life where he knew that this is what God was calling him to do. And when, when you have this calling in your life, uh, there, there, is, there is this feeling in your life uh, that you know there's something more. There is something more in life. You, you, you may be doing a lot of other things, uh, but God always brings you back to that one thing there, and that is uh, your main calling in life. And in, in our case, of course, God was showing us that, that it was to be a pastor. Even though I was doing the work of the evangelist, even though I was doing the work of uh, missions and we were traveling the world, uh, but we knew specifically that God wanted us to pastor a church. And you know, when, when it comes to this moment, you realize that number one, this is from God. This is from God. It's not from man. It's not from man. It is from God. And Paul always emphasized this, an apostle called by God. Uh, you know, when, when you are in leadership in the church, and especially you are a shepherd or a pastor. This is something that man can give to you no matter how they feel about you and no matter what you do in, in life. It, it has to be God because it is a calling from God. You see, the, the calling of God is supernatural. It's supernatural. It's not of man. If it, if it was of man, I can guarantee you that... Uh, 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 Joaquin, Pastor Joaquin would have given up a long time ago. You know, I, I always say, you know, I love Sundays. I love Sundays. 
the Lord's Day. And of course, I love the, the midweek services and all that, but this is just something about Sunday. And Sunday, I feel like I am like Elijah. I feel like I'm on top of the mountain and I'm ready to bring the fire of God down. And, and, and I'm ready to see the glory of God. Amen. And also chop some heads. Yeah. Right? Because it's a spiritual battle. It's not a, all the time a, just a goody-goody feeling. You know, there are the challenges, just like Elijah. Brings down the glory of God. He chops the heads of the false prophets. Uh, but then on Monday, he wants to crow inside of a cave. And I always say, you know, I feel like Elijah on Sundays, Mondays, I want to give up. I want to give up. And that's natural. That is why the calling of a pastor is supernatural. Because only God can sustain a man in that position not only to have a Sunday, but also to have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and to deal with the challenges of being a leader in the church. And that is why the calling is supernatural. You know, Jesus knows that his church would need shepherds. He knew that from the very beginning, that he, uh, the church would need shepherds. Uh, the church would need leadership uh, because the church needs protection because this is all about a spiritual warfare. It's, a, it's about a spiritual battle. Uh, you know, preaching the gospel, reaching out uh, to people, ministering to people, uh, uh, dirtying your hands in the spiritual world, so, so to speak, uh, requires uh, an anointing that only God can give, an attitude that only God can give, a fulfillment that only God can give. And this can only come from above. It can only come from heaven. That's why the calling of a shepherd in today's world especially has to be one full of the Holy Spirit, one that has the anointing of God and must be supernatural in nature. See, shepherds, full of the Holy Spirit, is what brings supernatural provision to the church. If the church is going to thrive, if, if, if the church is going to have success, if, if we're going to see men and women uh, serve God and honor God, uh, only the Holy Spirit can provide that and provide that kind of nutrition that will build up men that will honor God, a man that will glorify God. Uh, notice again Ephesians 4.12. Ephesians 4.12 says, for the equipping of the saints. Oh, let me back up here and let me read verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, notice he himself gave some to be. He himself, it is Jesus who gives this calling. If, if a pastor doesn't have this calling that comes directly from Jesus, I doubt it very much that he will have success. Though I've known, I've known uh, a lot of preachers and I've known pastors in, in my travels, especially, you know, I remember going to Spain and, 
and uh, speaking to the bases there, to the American bases, and, and, and then speaking to a group of chaplains uh, that were hired by the government. Uh, I'm not saying that, that I can't put everybody in, in a box, but I can tell you the majority of those guys, what they had was a profession. And because of that, and because of the challenges they had, because you're dealing with spiritual matters, you're dealing with demonic uh, powers, you're, you're, you're dealing with challenges that are beyond humanity. Paul says it, our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, the powers that rule this world. And I remember talking to some of those guys, and some of them were alcoholics. Because the only way that they could survive was to be drinking all the time, to be able to handle what they thought was their calling. But you see, when God calls you, when you are a call of God, not only is your call supernatural, but also it is being fed by the presence of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to be somebody that is capable to handle any situation, any problem, no matter how heavy it is, because it is God that is leading that pastor. It is the Holy Spirit that is speaking to that pastor. In verse 12, it says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God also has given other gifts uh, uh, in the church uh, besides uh, the pastoral gift. That's what Paul brings out. But if you really study the role of the pastor, the pastor is the number one leader in the church. It is to him that is given the authority and the power to manage all other gifts in the church. No matter how great they are, we can have teachers in the body of Christ. We can have evangelists in the body of Christ. We, we, but the pastor is the apostle. He is the prophet. He is the teacher. He is the number one. All other ministries must come under the leadership of the shepherd. Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, 5 verse 2 and 3. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Notice the responsibility that is given here to the shepherd, to the pastor. It doesn't say that about an apostle. It doesn't say that about a teacher. But it does say it about the pastor, the shepherd, because he is the number one person in the body of Christ that brings balance to the church, to the local church, and also brings management and leadership to all the other gifts that are given to the church. If it would not be so, then we would have chaos in the church. But he gives us... Uh, the shepherds, he gives us the pastors. The number one qualification to be a pastor is simply to have a calling from God, but also to have the anointing for the role that God is calling that man, that God is calling that woman for. And that is to be a shepherd to the church 
and to be someone of accountability and also responsibility, to bring also protection to the body of Christ. You know, I always say as a pastor, and I'm sure that you experience this in, in your own role as a pastor here, that uh, no one is given the discernment and the sensitivity that a shepherd has for its sheep. No one. Uh, this is something that is supernatural. And I, I tell the people, you know, I, I get up on the platform. I always sit down there just like you guys. And then I get up on the platform. It takes me about, I would say, about a minute to glance over the congregation. And I can tell you who's there and who's not there. Nobody else has that intuition. Nobody else has that discernment. But the shepherd does because that is the calling of a true shepherd. That's why it's a great blessing and a great honor to have this calling to be a pastor of a local congregation. Ezekiel 34 said this about the shepherd in verse 11 and 12. For thus saith the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Did you know that about the Lord in your life? That he actually searches you out, seeks you out. You may think, you know, he's not looking. I want you to know he's looking all the time. If you are a sheep and you are a sheep of God's fall, then God is watching, God is looking. That is the gift of the pastoral role in the church. In verse 12, it says, As a shepherd seeks out his flock, on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. See, everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. If you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, God designed your life to be shepherd. That's why one of the greatest psalms we have in the Bible is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because a shepherd leads his sheep. A shepherd feeds the sheep, watches over the sheep because that is the nature of the calling of being a pastor. And I, I count being a pastor, you know, again, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've done, I've played uh, a lot of roles in the body of Christ. I've traveled the world. I'm an evangelist. I, I, I love to, to go into places and preach the gospel, see people come to Jesus. Uh, but there is nothing like the feeling that God placed you in this position, in this local church to be a blessing to a flock of people that not only are you going to preach to, but also you're going to see them grow and you're going to see them mature in the Lord. You're going to see them go on. You're going to see them get married. You're going to see them have children. Amen. And guess what? You have been a part of that process. That's the calling of a pastor. And secondly, we must also know that pastor's calling is a call that is very close to the heart of God. Very, very close to the heart of God. See, pastoral ministry, 
is, is, is a call that actually reflects God. It, it reflects the call of God. You know, we're not gods, but, but we are like gods in the sense that we're very close to the heart of God because that's the way God is. God will always act in your life as a shepherd, as a pastor that leads his sheep. And this is not to say that, uh, you know, there are other callings and gifts and, 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 and of the Holy Spirit uh, that are not close to the heart of God because, you know, all gifts uh, from the Spirit are important. And, and, you know, they all reflect uh, the very heart of God. But the pastoral calling uh, demands something that is, is very special. It's very special and that is sacrifice. There's a lot of sacrifice. People don't realize that. You know, people look at Pastor Molina today and say, oh, look at him. He's up there. You know, he, he looks like he's, he looks so happy and, and he's got beautiful children. He's got a beautiful family. And, and, and then they say, look, look, look at the beautiful church that he's pastoring. But they don't know the inner the inner atmosphere that that pastor has to live every single day, every single day. And surely there are a lot of joys in, in pastoring because Paul writes about that and that was his testimony. And, and, and the joy that, that Paul describes is, is the people. It's like Jesus, for the joy that was set before him. Who is the joy of God? You are the joy of God. Who is the joy of a pastor, of a local pastor? You're the joy of that local pastor. That's the reason why Jesus sacrificed his life. And that is the same reason why pastors, local pastor, earthly pastors under the great shepherd also must be willing to pay this price. And I, and I, I can tell you, you know, I, I can stand up here and speak hypocritically you know, and put on a, a great show. But I can tell you that being a pastor today takes a whole lot. It has to be from God. It has to be a calling from God. You know, we find Jesus testing his disciples, especially Peter, about his role as a shepherd. Because we can say that Peter was the first pastor. We can say that he was the first shepherd under Jesus. Jesus always addressed himself to Peter. And, and in Peter, uh, we find a lot of ourselves. I've, I've learned from Peter uh, as a pastor. And here in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter uh, 21, uh, verse 15 through 19, here's Jesus addressing his first pastors. And here's what he says to them. Beginning with verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, Peter's reaction was very human, right? Because by this time, he's, he's thinking, he doesn't trust me. He doesn't trust. No, 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 no. He, he trusts you. Peter, he trusts you with all his heart, but he wants to know where you are. Because the call that is upon your life as a pastor is not common, it's not ordinary, it's not something simple. You can't compare it with anything else. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, if I can find it here. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Well, now it's getting to the nitty gritty, as they say. Now Jesus is coming home. And he says this, this he spoke signifying what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now you can take that two ways. You can say, well, Jesus is talking about his own death, but he's also talking about the death of Peter. He's talking about the death of Peter. That your call is going to require a self-denial that nobody else is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to have that demand upon their lives. Like you will, because I'm calling you to be a shepherd. I'm calling you to be like me. And just like me, just like I have denied myself and will deny myself, and guess what? Will also face Calvary. You will also have your own cross. So the next time you think about your pastor, think about a man that has totally given himself to the will of God, to the glory of God, and no longer is he his own man, but he is the man of God. What a privilege. What a great blessing, hallelujah. If there's a comfort in my life is that I know this is not about Victor Torres, this is about Jesus. It's about God. Now you can take that and apply it to yourself because as sheep we are also required to walk the way of the cross. Let me tell you something, there is no real living in this life until you learn and you embrace the way of the cross because that's where God is able to have his way in your life and is able to glorify himself in your life because you're not putting yourself first. I can tell you, <laughs> I can be here all morning talking about the role of a pastor. The many times that we've had to put other people in front of us to give them the priority to give them the time, that 
honestly and sincerely belongs to me and my family. Sometimes pleasure, sometimes vacations, sometimes moments that we wish we could have for ourselves. But pastor, somebody just called, somebody just passed away, or someone needs you at the hospital, or someone is getting married, or you know, one of these, one of these calls and suddenly you deny yourself because you know you are not your own man. You belong to God. And that's when it becomes difficult and it becomes hard. But at the same time, as Paul says, it becomes a joy. It becomes a great joy because you know you're doing the will of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Ephesians 5, 25, 27 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish because that is the ultimate vision of the role of a pastor, to see his church shine, amen. I'll tell you what, the greatest joy, and I'm sure you experience this, the greatest joy that I receive is like when I'm traveling with guys like this, Man and woman that have come under our ministry and today they serve God. And once in a while, you know, somebody will come up to you and say, Pastor, because of you. We, we, we had past, uh, pastor appreciation not long ago. And, you know, people write letters to us and they write little notes and all this. But the best notes come from the children. And this one little boy, one little boy wrote us a a card and said, Pastor Victor, Pastor Carmen, you have really changed my life. And the kid is only about four. And then he says, and you've given me a lot of wisdom. Oh, that was the best, best note that we could ever get, the joy of being a pastor. Let me give you one more point, the pastoral calling. It has its rewards. It has its rewards. Pastoring the flock of God does have its ups and downs. I'd be lying to you if, if I didn't tell you that, again, sometimes you feel like uh, giving up, uh, you know, because it's not just about a title. It's not just about having the title of, of, of being a pastor. Because I can tell you sometimes I don't want to be a pastor not after having to deal with some of the people that we deal with. I know you, everybody here is perfect. <laughs> you have a perfect congregation. But we know that's not reality. You know, I, I love it when people come to me and say, and you know, God has a sense of humor. And they'll come up and, and they will say things like, Pastor, I... I love you. I love you and Sister Carmen, but and your messages are so powerful and so great, but we feel like we're not being fed. Wait a minute. Let's backtrack here. You love us. You love our messages, but you feel like you're not being fed. What is that? What is that? 
those are the, 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 the moments where Paul says, don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't frustrate the grace of God. And, you know, those are challenging moments, very challenging moments because then you search yourself and there, there are times of, of discouragement. Uh, pastors are not superman. They're not super beings. We have a supernatural calling, but we're still human. And we have feelings, by the way. And in case you don't know it, okay, the pastors are not like a chair. And the pastors are not here so they can agree with you. See, I love it when people come up and, and they say, they, they say um, Pastor, I need counseling. I need counseling, you know. Uh, I found the right man. I found the right woman. But we need your counseling. And, uh, and then before you can start giving counsel, they'll say, but I know, I know God, this is from God. I know it's from God because God spoke to me. I said, well, okay. <laughs> if, if God spoke to you, who am I? Right? Two years later, the marriage is all messed up. And they're getting divorced. And, and that's because we do frustrate the grace of God. And those are the moments when uh, the pastor uh, does some deep searching in his heart because he wants to make sure that, that you are speaking by the Holy Spirit and you are speaking with wisdom. With great wisdom, the wisdom of God, because that's the only way that, that you're going to have uh, success. Uh, Hebrews 12.2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, notice, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I want to say to Pastors Molina, this morning, that there will be moments of discouragement. And there are moments when we do feel like giving up. But it doesn't mean that God has given up on us. And it doesn't mean that our calling is not from God. Because just like every, every other calling, you know, or ministry in serving God, there's always, always the cross. And there's always the sacrifices. But then there are the highs. And there are the great moments where God shows you glimpses of success. And he shows you the fruit of your labor. He shows you. You know, it's one, one of the things that encourages Carmen and I all the time is when we look across the congregation and, and, and we see people that were born in our church because we've been there long enough that we see people that were born in our church and married in our church and today with children and they're still serving the Lord. How many know we serve a faithful God? Amen. And then the promise is looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. As long as we're looking to him, everything is going to be all right. First Thessalonians 2, 19, 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is not even you. 
in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For you are our glory. Notice you are our glory and our joy. So this morning I, I can tell you that the greatest motivation in both uh, of our lives and in, in my wife's life as pastor, and I'm sure the Molinas feel the same way, it, it is that joy of seeing the fruit of the labor, the fruit of the ministry. You know, pastors, uh, there's three things that, that you can pray for your pastors for. Uh, number one, that God will always give them divine wisdom. How many know we need God's wisdom, right? And then number two, very, very important, is that God will raise up leaders in the church and that you would pray and ask God what role would he would have you to play to lift the pastor's hands up and to support him and to undergird him. You know... (laughs) People, people sometimes will ask uh, spiritual leaders, do you have a board in your church? I got more boards in my ministry. You can shake a stick at. Yeah, I got a board in the church. I got a board in our parachurch ministry. I got a board in the commercial park that we have, you know. So I got more people that can tell me what to do. And there's probably a thousand other people in the city that maybe are smarter than I. I don't know in today's world, slicker than I am, but we got a problem. The problem is God chose me. God chose these two people to be your shepherds and your pastor. And if there's something that they need, if there's something that they need is they need wisdom. They need also hands and mouths and feet that will stand with them, amen. And I tell people that join us, that join our church, uh, you're gonna join our church, uh, but don't tie my hands. And if you got a problem with, with rebellion and you got a problem with disobedience uh, and, and you got a, a problem understanding my role, then don't be a part of us. Go somewhere else, honestly. Because if the church is going to thrive and we're going to see people come to Jesus, which is the third, the last thing that a pastor is always looking for is for people to get saved. And you know where people get saved? People get saved where the church is united, working together, supporting the pastor. Amen. Because how many know that authority has joy? And when there's joy in a congregation, there's authority in that church. People come to our church, they can't help to sense there's authority in this church. You know why? Because there's unity. There is unity. And we're flowing together with one mind, amen? One spirit, one heart. And when you do that, guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to move mightily because where the spirit is, there is freedom, there is liberty, and you're going to be blessed, amen? Your pastors are going to be blessed. The church is going to be blessed. Your children are going to be blessed. And we're going to reach the city for Jesus, amen? How many know that we're going to reach the city for Jesus to the glory of God? Hallelujah. 
I want you to stand with me, please. Something that is very important to the church, and I left this for the end, is that not only are we to be in agreement with a pastor, but also if we believe that this is where God placed you, then support your pastor and the church with your finances. Amen? How many know that finances are important? Just remember this. Jesus was betrayed by a man who sold them out for 30 pieces of silver. How many know money is powerful? It killed Jesus. Can you imagine what your money will do in the hands of God? Just think about that. I always think about that. If it killed Jesus, took him to the cross, which we know that it really didn't kill him in a sense, because out of that came the glory of God and the church was birth. But then there were others who supported the kingdom and gave and supported the church. And throughout the ages, man and woman that have given sacrificially so the work of God can continue to go on. I'm going to tell you this. I would not be standing here this morning if it would not have been for a man who got a call from God back in the late 50s, got a calling from God. My mother praying because her son was dying on the streets of drugs and crime and gang life and all this. And my mother praying every single day, drinking her tears together with hundreds of other Mothers in the city, in New York City, praying for their sons and their daughters. In the meantime, there was a man up there in the hills of Pennsylvania who had never come to New York City, picks up a copy of Life magazine, Seven Faces, on the front page of that Life magazine, the biggest trial ever in New York City of this type of gang life because they had killed a young man by the name of Michael Farmer. And by the way, the other day I met his aunt, who's still alive, and now she's a Christian because that family hated God, and especially when they found out what David Wilkerson was doing with the gangs. But that man, when he picked up that magazine and saw those seven faces, that, those seven faces could have been my face, could have been Nikki's face. It could have been other faces that were there that God was calling David Wilkerson. And David Wilkerson didn't have not even enough money for gas. He was, he was pastoring a poor country little church. Sold his television set. Who would have told the story? Took off to New York, slept the first week in his car on the streets of New York City because he felt this calling, this urge. God was calling him. He never reached those seven young men that were on trial for murder, but he has reached millions of people because 
He gave his television set, gave the little money he had, gave his life. And today you have Victor Torres preaching here because of that man's giving of himself, supporting the work of God. Lift your hands up to the Father right now all over this house. I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you as a congregation that the Holy Spirit will stir your hearts. You will never be the same after this. You will stand with your pastors. You will pray for your pastors. You will support your pastors. You will stand, hold hands with your pastors and you will encourage them and lift their hands up when they are down. You're going to be up and they're down, but you're going to lift them up in the name of Jesus that they can fulfill their divine supernatural call to the glory of God and have great success that you will be blessed and your family will be blessed. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for this beautiful congregation, Lord, God, that they will stand behind their pastors, that they will support their pastors, that they will be part of his vision, oh God, and that you will move mightily by the Holy Spirit in their lives, oh God, Lord, that this man, this woman of God will have all the freedom to fulfill their call and their role in a mighty way. And Father, you will bring in the harvest to bring glory and honor to your name. For we ask you this in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody to stretch your hand towards your pastors right now. Stretch your hands toward them. Hallelujah. And I want you to say a prayer for them right there where you are. I'm not going to lead you in this prayer. You're going to say that prayer. I want you to pray for them right now. What would you pray? What would you ask God to do for your pastors? Everybody right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my Lord. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. Hallelujah, my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God. Thank you for this glorious calling, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. Hallelujah, my God. Hallelujah, my Lord. You are worthy of praise. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. Bring the harvest, Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody say it with me right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. Come on, let's bless God. Hallelujah, my God. We give you praise, almighty God. Hallelujah, my Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together and bless God Almighty. He is worthy to be praised, Pastor. Amen. Amen. And hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Victor. Uh, again, this is a, a testimony to God's goodness over this church. Um, what a treat to have Pastor Victor come in and close out Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, we've been super refreshed. Uh, we're looking forward to the coming days. Um, truly, God is, is, he finishes his purposes. When we started 21 years ago, that God called us out, we never imagined uh, the extent of the impact that God would have in the world. Um, and we don't have to be a church of big numbers. 
Uh, we're not a perfect church, but we're a genuine church. Amen. Amen. The grace of God is here and he's done good things. Amen. Um, Father, thank you for what you've done this day, Lord. We pray, Father God, that as we receive and welcome your word, it gives us wisdom. We could walk in it, Lord, and be doers of the word and not hearers. We pray your blessing upon the families of this church, Lord, as they go out to the community of God, that they be the hands and the feet of Jesus, the heart of the Lord, the mouth of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord. We pray, Father God, that you would prosper them, give them influence and affluence, Lord. Allow them to to have a strong pull to the souls, the men that are lost, the women that are in need, Father God, single mothers, Father God, families, entire families, Lord, children, boys and girls that are questioning where is God. And Father, that we would be the nexus to bring them to your heart, oh God, to your house, to your word. Allow us to uh, do the work of the evangelist, Lord. We give you thanks for Pastor Victor and the work that he's done in Richmond, Lord, as he moves into the South Florida area, Lord. We pray that you would just lead his steps and prosper him. And, and Father God, that there would be men uh, that would... Uh, uh, see eye to eye with his vision, Father God, to capture the heart of lost men on the streets of our cities, Lord. And we pray, Father God, that they would be able to be restored and renewed and reconciled with God. We pray that your blessing would be upon uh, that ministry, upon Carmen's life, Lord. We pray for Carmen's health, Lord. We pray that you give them the victory, Father God, in all these challenges, O oh Lord, that you started out with them in Bible college, Lord. You brought them out. Father God, from amongst the rest of men to serve your people. And Father God, that their work in the Lord not be in vain, Father God. That it not be, Father God, uh, forgotten. For you are just not to forget how they have refreshed the, the saints, Lord, and how they have served you uh, wholeheartedly. And now with their children and grandchildren, Lord, we pray that this ministry continues to influence this generation for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, amen. 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 Greet one another in the love of the Lord.